The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know what they say? Got to get down on Friday. It's weekend time, man. Weekend time here on Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and this one will carry you through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's our weekend edition of the program where we will go through the week in review, all of the best stories, pickups, drops, you know that whole deal. We'll preview the next 30 games. Well, maybe not necessarily in that order, but the upcoming game, next game for each of the 30 teams in the NBA over the weekend. And of course, at some point in there, We'll give you a quick review on Thursday. Fantasy NBA Today is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop ball fantasy and hoop ball tweets is where you want to go on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris in the Twitter sphere. And a big fat thank you once again to everybody that continues to write in. We've had a number of emails, actually. So those of you that are not on social media seem to have heard my, I'll call them please, because we're doing fine here. But uh, I guess you could call it a, a... public service announcement or something? I don't know. Whatever you want to call it, the fact that lately I've been talking about the fact that if you have daytime availability and you want to join our sales team to hit me up either on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. A number of you have emailed in. I've been in contact with, I believe, each and every one of you so far. So if you've written to me and I haven't responded to you, do it again. It means it got lost in the shuffle somewhere, but I I pride myself on trying to get back to everybody within 24 hours. So hopefully you have been responded to at this point. Offer still on the table. You got daytime availability. You want to make some calls, earn some money, hit me up. That's the sales team here at HoopBall. Big thank you as always once again to those that continue to rate and review the podcast. Five-star reviews. That's the stuff we need here. Simple enough, right? Simple enough. If you like what you've been listening to, if you've been listening to the show for a day or a year or three years, rate and review the podcast. Drop a five-star review either on iTunes or in the podcast app on your mobile device. As I've promised, I will continue to read recent reviews of the podcast. As long as you guys keep doing it, I'm going to keep reading them. I have actually completely forgotten what the different things that I've read. I think Jurgi is the most recent one. With the subject line, great in-depth fantasy analysis. You guys have been way too nice lately. Do something. Oh, here we go. We got a good reference in this one. Dan gives incredible fantasy NBA advice, which has led to me becoming an every episode listener. Cool, man. Happy to have you. Love his commentary about all types of fantasy formats, and I eagerly await for him calling out somebody for their wet fart of a performance. (laughs) I have said that. That's true. Kip the amazing and hilarious insight. Uh, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful review. It is much appreciated. This goes for the rest of you. You guys want to write something funny? I'll read it, man. The only thing I'm not putting out on air is uh, curse words, usually. It's the play-by-play guy in me. So, anyway, thank you as always for tuning in, everyone. Let's get this party started with a quick review of what went down on Thursday. Then we'll segue from there into a weekend review. And from there, we'll take a look at everybody's next ones over the weekend. Washington-Cleveland was the early start game on Thursday, if you want to call it that, the normal 7 p.m. Eastern deal. Washington beat Cleveland a buck 24, 112 on the road, and things are starting to crystallize a little bit on that Washington side. Now, this was a tiny bit of a blowout, so the minutes were a little cockeye, but Bradley Beal's been coming on. It almost seems like maybe, just maybe, he's finally starting to get healthy, and this is why I've been saying you kind of just need to hang on there. I'm less concerned about traditional shutdown rest stuff down the stretch than most people are, I think, with Beal. And maybe I'm going to get this one wrong, but here's the skinny. The Wizards are 11th in the East. The Nets just lost their fifth in a row to the Lakers. The Wizards won, so they actually picked up a game. They're 5-5 five and five their last 10, so they've actually gained a game on the Bulls in that stretch. The Pistons are on the rise as well. Everybody beneath the Wizards is on the downswing, The Hornets, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hawks. The Wizards are sort of the last bastion of hope for anybody making a play at that god-awful eight seed in the Eastern Conference. You may find this completely insane, 
But at 14 games under 500, they're only three and a half games out of the last playoff spot. Yeah, they'll probably fade at some point. But I think you're going to see Beal play until they're mathematically eliminated, at which point he probably still goes every other game or maybe plays them all and then just plays half speed. So while everybody was figuring out what they could get for him, I've been kind of on the, well, I don't know. I mean, I might just sort of hang on. I'm not big into the buying on Beal. I don't know what it would cost. Frankly, I think someone would make you overpay because they probably drafted him in the first round. But I am in the, let's ride this thing out. Because this is this is sort of a low watermark. He had a long stretch of unpredictability and injury stuff. But he always comes back and just, anyway, he goes. He goes. Davis Bertans is settling back in. He had 17 points on four three-pointers. And the only thing that's still sort of floating in the balance is Thomas Bryant, who played 17 minutes again. And I have a theory, but the weekend will prove whether or not this theory is is cockamamie or actually worth something. The Wizards, next play... Oh, crap. Well, I guess they play on Sunday. So we'll get to talk. We'll, we'll see them again before our Monday show. The Wizards next play again on Sunday in Atlanta after two days of rest. Something that I think is probably concerning a lot of people is that Thomas Bryant hasn't seen his minutes move really at all. When you talk about a minutes cap, his has been pretty well set in that 17 range. Since coming back from his stress reaction, he's played 15, 12, 16, 22. I believe Yamahimi was in foul trouble in that ballgame. 17 and then 17 again. I have a theory. Because he played 22 against Detroit, his minutes cap was probably up in that territory, but they opted to play him in both halves of the back-to-back, Miami-Cleveland, and so they depressed his minutes a little bit there. I would expect his minutes on Sunday in Atlanta to be back up and over 20. If they're not, if they're not, then I'll be a little bit worried. But if they are then we can probably chalk up the drop back to 17 to basically saying, look, we don't really want you playing more than 30-some-odd minutes in a two-day span. So let's get him back up into the 20s, and then we'll probably see Yamahimi start to fade a little bit, although they started together in this game on Thursday, and it's possible that's the case going forward until Rui Hachimura comes back, whenever the hell that might be. But outside of these guys, and then Mahimi probably qualifies as something of a specialist type, Outside of those guys, there really isn't anybody else worth using. Ish Smith every once in a while has an okay game. Isaac, Isaiah Thomas every once in a while has an okay game. But they're just not. And even Troy Brand now, who's been pushed to the periphery. Jordan McRae's a no. The rest of these guys have, have been pushed off, as we thought they might be. I have to give credit where credit's due. And credit is due to Colin Sexton, who over the last month has been number 111. That's the best month fantasy-wise he's had in his NBA career. Still not inside the top 100 over the month, but 46% from the field, 90 at the foul line, two threes. So he's hitting a couple of threes. He has a steal in there, 24-4 and two and a half. That's actually pretty reasonable. That's a useful fantasy line if you don't need rebounds, assists, and if you don't mind the fact that his turnovers are, are higher than his assists over that stretch. So there's still some ways to go, but he's been trending up. And, and this is the ultimate broadcaster jinx, he hasn't missed a free throw since January 11th. Look, the last two weeks, he's shooting almost 100% at the foul line on three or four a game. It's not nothing. He's actually number 84 over the last two weeks. So he's been, he's been trending up as the two guard. He's officially the two guard. There isn't any more weird discrepancy like, hey, sometimes you're going to orchestrate, you're going to initiate. No, that's Darius Garland's job now. You're the point guard, Darius. You get Colin Sexton involved. And where you can find your own offense, fine. Garland actually took more shots than Sexton in this game, and he missed all of them, pretty much. He's got a long way to go. But Sexton's actually been fantasy-relevant and should be owned in nine-category leagues for the way that he's been playing lately. There, I said it. It hurt, but I did. The other guy on this team, and we talked about him last week, ad nauseum, because trade deadline stuff is less than two weeks away now. It's, it's 13 days is Larry Nance. Larry Nance at 22-12 and 12 in this game. He actually made his first, I believe, six shots before finally missing one. He's been really, really good, and his minutes have been trending up at the expense of Clunko Tristan Thompson. 
which is probably the way it should have been all season long. He's a more interesting basketball player. He's a guy that the Cavs have had sort of invested in as a future asset. Thompson's expiring deal. He should be on his way out. Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. You know, Tristan is a veteran. He's maybe keeping this thing together with Sinew at this point the, from the team from completely falling apart. But here's the thing. We're seeing Larry Nance trending up in a really nice way without anybody getting moved from out in front of him. So that's already a really nice sign. Now, if somebody gets moved, then he's really cooking with gas. Then he's really cooking with gas at that point. Because then the world is his oyster. But regardless, he is what I referred to as an active stash the last time we talked about him because he's playing well enough to be owned and he has the opportunity for more. He's never going to play more than about 25 to 28 minutes a game, so he's getting up near that mark right now. But the steal rate is always really good. The rebounding rate is good. He passes well for a big man. And even though his free throw number isn't great, he pretty much never takes them. So you're in pretty good shape in that front as well. I think he's, uh, what are we at now? Career 69 percenter, but he never bothers to shoot him, so you don't have to worry about it. I think he's averaging about 1.2 per game right now. He's probably owned in your league. Let's be honest. I mean, he's a guy that everybody's been squatting on for a while, but he got dropped in a couple of spots in my leagues, and I scooped him up in those. My faith in Larry Nance is finally starting to get paid off a little bit. So overall, on the course of the year, he has not been very good. And even if you pile all of his games since coming back together, they haven't been all that great. But overall, he's trending up in a big way. And if he hadn't basically gone like one for six at the free throw line over the last week and change then he'd be an easy top 75 guy right now. So definitely an add on Larry Nance. Lakers blew out the Brooklyn Nets late, though. It took them into the, into the early fourth quarter to take care of business. So LeBron, who plays during that stretch, got his minutes up into the 30s. rest of the Lakers had uh, kind of a partial night off. Anthony Davis was meh. You know, you expect more out of him on a night-to-night basis. Dwight Howard got a start with no JaVale McGee. Missed all three of his free throws, but otherwise was a force. Or a typical Dwight Howard this year. He's been unbelievably good. I can't I can't even believe it. This is a crazy ball game. These teams are shooting 60% for like the first two and a half quarters. And then the defense started to kick in a little bit, especially on that Lakers side. They started to grind the nets to a halt. Kyrie Irving had a tough shooting game. Um, Torian Prince, actually, he continues to play a lot better lately. 18 points, three boards, four assists, three steals, and three blocks in this game. Those of us, and I was one of them, that were about ready to jump ship on a top 160 kind of guy, were starting to finally be rewarded a little bit. But there's still these big issues with him. The, the, the field goal percent is a big issue. Lately, the turnovers, for whatever reason, have been a big issue. But, I mean, if you're, if you're holding on to him in head-to-head, you're probably not that concerned with the turnovers anyway. And lately, his numbers have been more than good enough to be on your fantasy team. It's been a weird year for him, though. Karis LeVert made his first, I think, three or four shots, and then the wheels totally came off of that one. And again, another example of why I'm just not that high on him. Sure, he scored 16 points, but at what cost? And then Dinwiddie had 13 assists. That was a weird one. Wilson Chandler with the bigger ball game. This team, funny thing to say, really needed DeAndre Jordan in this game. Lakers had three dudes in double figures and rebounds. Out-rebounded the Nets 52-41. to And the initial returns on the Trevor Ariza thing are way better than expected. Here's the thing. No C.J. McCollum. That makes a big difference. And Carmelo Anthony was in foul trouble for stretches of this ballgame. That also makes a big difference. The Mavs are also uh, really good offensively. So... I don't know if that had any bearing on anything. Here's my thought, and, I, and I've said this before. I, I think he's going to end up being largely a three-pointer and steal specialist. I think this game is going to be one of the higher watermarks of his time in Portland as he gets bumped farther and farther down the totem pole. There were a ton of possessions in this game. This is a really high-paced game. I almost picked up and streamed Gary Trent, almost, in a really deep format. I guess I probably should have in a really deep league. But here's what it comes down. I mean, he's going to have decent looks. He's going to obviously, he's excited, I think, to be on a team where he's going to have better looks at the rim 
as a floor spacer with Dame and C.J. McCollum around him, there's plenty of room for Ariza to operate. His job is not going to be to go and get buckets on a night-to-night basis. McCollum's 15 to 20 shots most games got redistributed largely to Mello, Dame, and Ariza in this one. They went a lot to the perimeter. So I still, I mean, I, like I, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one, and I'm going to call Trevor Reza a specialist that does belong on some fantasy teams. I picked him up in a bunch of spots and then ultimately dropped him in a bunch of spots before he even played a game in Portland because I was just like, well, I don't really need threes or steals in the leagues where I probably could have him. I might regret that. You know, you can always trade certain guys. I had him in... Uh, had him in a points league that probably would have been useful to get some threes and steals out of him. Had him in a spot where I probably... But anyway, the point of this is not what I need from Trevor Reza to put him on my teams. It's what you guys are looking for. He's not going to score that many points on a night-to-night basis. He's going to probably hit you about two, one and a half to two threes a game. He's going to get you one to 1.4 steals per game probably. And that's been his MO throughout his career. Steals and threes, low field goal percent, very low turnovers, Probably some 10-odd points and maybe about four or five rebounds because he's on a team with us on Whiteside now. Or if they're not chasing Porzingis and Doncic around, Whiteside's going to be camped out in the paint every other game. This is an opponent where you're going to see guards and wings pick up more rebounds because the Mavs are a floor-spacing unit. They run. They don't really have an interior attack, especially now. Well, Doncic is their interior attack. With no Dwight Powell, there really aren't many other guys going near the rim. I mean, you look at the rebound distribution for Portland, it was all the way across the map. All right, easy enough on Thursday. Let's get into the week in review. I said easy enough, but that somehow took like 12, 13 minutes to get through Thursday. I broke things down a little bit different this week. I think we're at a juncture of the season where there aren't as many guys that are just an obvious add in every respect types right regardless of format you just add them it doesn't matter what your team is looking for i think we're at the juncture we're at the point in the season now where you're going to be looking for roi you're going to be looking for your return on investment in fringy guys all season long there are i mean i don't know i've lost count 50 60 guys that probably bounce onto and off of rosters all season long, the guys that are pretty consistently in the 95 to 135 range, which is 40, I get it, I can count, that's 40 spots I just described, but people float in and out of the back end of that realm with one hot week and then a terrible one, and they're on and they're off the roster. So it's really like like guys between 95 and 150 that are just bouncing around in there, and they're on and off rosters, and you're thinking, what should I do with this dude? And for long stretches of the season... It's actually the right move to be frequently adding and dropping those types of guys as we hunt for the one or two of them that can actually push past the mark and stick inside the top 95 and just be a value the rest of the year. But a lot of these guys won't. We can do an exercise right now that just looks at guys ranked between 95 and 150, and I could count almost all of them. That have been on and off of rosters. Luke Kennard, on and off a of roster. Daniel Tice, OG Ananobi. Andrew Wiggins, who's probably one of the guys that's been owned all season long, but has been falling like a stone. Chris Dunn. Steven Adams is one you can count on, too. Mello. DiVincenzo. P.J. Tucker. Lonzo Ball. P.J. Washington. JaVale McGee. Lou Williams. Thomas Bryant. Those guys have probably been on rosters all year. Ingles, on and off. Mo Wagner. Kendrick Nunn. Gorgie Jang, J.J. Redick. How many names am I already rattling? And this is the front end of that pack. Let's look at the 125 range. Glenn Robinson, Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, Troy Brown, Mikhail Bridges, Justin Holliday. These are obvious candidates to be on and off of your roster. But the reason this happens is that we're all hunting for the one of the guys in this pack that pushes somehow out in front. The one guy in that group that turns out to be Daniel Tice lately, like maybe he lasts the rest of the year. Honest to God, I'm looking at like the guys in front of that pack and they're just not there. Maybe I need to adjust my window a tiny bit later. Maybe it's we're all hunting for the guys between 
105 and 155 and looking for the one dude that can actually stick inside the top 100, which at this point is basically Chris Dunn. That's it right now. Or if you want to look at the 100 to 110 range, P.J. Washington, Dante DiVincenzo, Alonzo Ball, Mello. So these are the guys that are on and off of rosters a little bit, but then suddenly they made it. They made it, guys. They had a good couple of weeks, and they turned it into more than that. They turned it into a reliable rest of the season. Alec Burks is a good example of that, who's, who's been able to ride his way to decent value. Nemanja Bialica, the all-time streaming champion of the world. Marcus Morris, from the beginning of the year. Norman Powell. That's why these guys are on and off of rosters, because we're hunting for the three of them that end up as actual values the rest of the year. Now, you turn the page. It's mid-January. There probably aren't that many guys of in that pack that could still truly separate themselves. Maybe somebody emerges that was an injury stash. Maybe someone else gets hurt and their backup comes leaping into a ton of value. Maybe you get to tanking season, but that's still a month to month and a half to two months away. We're right in between. This is the time of year where you look at your team, particularly Roto players, less so head-to-head, because head-to-head you could stream those last couple roster spots. More so with Roto, you're looking at the last few spots on your team and thinking, okay, you know, I'm seventh in the league in rebounds right now. But the two teams in front of me are right there. So maybe you go out and you play a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who hasn't really been a full season value. He's number 118, which is fine. You can play that in a 12-teamer, but it's real dicey. But maybe he's a guy that makes a ton of sense for your team because he's getting you 10 rebounds a game, decent field goal percent, very uh, solid field goal percent, but minimal v- shot volume, and a block. Not killing you. Free throw number actually isn't that bad this year, so that's not as big of a hit. So maybe he makes a lot of sense for your team prior to dislocated finger, just using him as an example. Maybe you've looked around and you've thought, geez, I gotta, I, mean, I could leapfrog two or three teams in steals and threes over the next couple weeks. You go out and you play Terrence Ross for a month. You don't have to play him the rest of the way. You don't need him to be a rest-of-season value. You just need him to do what he's been doing as a guy that makes more sense for your team than maybe even a guy ranked ahead of him. Maybe you have... Oh, hell, I don't know. Maybe you have JaVale McGee, who's ranked 107. But maybe you've got a massive lead in blocks right now. So that's a waste. Make one of those JaVale McGee games a Terrence Ross game. Your team will be two blocks lower at the end of the year, but it'll probably be two to three three three-pointers and a steal and a half ahead. Do that four times. Can you afford to lose eight blocks in favor of ten threes and five extra steals? Maybe. That's for you to count. And so, with that in mind, with that in mind, that this is the time of year now where you start to look more at the return on investment of these fringe guys at the end of your team, your 10th, your 11th man. I've redistributed my weekly breakdown in review to... There are still a couple pick-up-in-all-format guys, but then I have a large list of dudes that I'm just calling specialists. It's time to do specialists. Let's dive in. Specialists is going to be the last thing we talk about. We're going to do pickups in all formats first. Larry Nance, who I already talked about. That's an obvious one. He's been great, and he's got a path to even more value if somebody gets moved in front of him. Top 65 type upside. Norman Powell who's almost definitely on teams after the way he's exploded back from his shoulder injury over the last week and a half. But on the off chance, somebody tweeted at me that Powell was still a free agent in their league. Yeah, obviously you ride that until the wheels fall off. Maybe they won't. Daniel Tice is an ad in all formats. I know, it's not super sexy. But guess what? He's number 92 on the year. And in the last two weeks... 38 last month top 70 Daniel Tice is storming the castle and nobody's noticed I have him in almost all of my money leagues almost all of them 
where I have any need for a center of any kind. There's only one spot I didn't get him fast enough. And it hurts me, by the way, the fact that there was one spot I didn't get him fast enough. Looking at it like, how did you, you dummy, how did you wait that long? I love him. He's been amazing. I'm putting Derek White on this list, largely because anything can happen over the weekend, and this being a Friday show, I don't want to get to Monday and say, well, he went nuts over the weekend because he plays tonight and he plays on Sunday. What if he has two big ball games and you're waiting for me to say, why didn't you go full pickup on Derek White? I picked him up in two spots already, and I suggest you do the same. Not two spots. I mean, pick him up where you, where you have the need for it. Key with him is, first of all, he's number 148 on the season overall. So overall, things have still been a little bit cockeyed. Last month, 105. That's a starter in most 12-team leagues. Last two weeks, 58. 47% from the field, 85 at the foul line. I'm sorry. He played an extra couple of games. Uh, last week, I should say, 58 by averages. 14 points, 3.5 boards, 5 assists, a steal, less than a turnover, 50% from the field, 90% at the free throw line. Okay, I got my numbers right this time. He's been trending up. He had that one really big game that obviously helped kind of buttress those numbers here. Um, but looking at his minutes is really what, where things have trended in the right direction for him. Last dozen or so games, he's been 20 minutes or higher in all but one. Their loss in Atlanta, he only played 18 minutes, and he still had 8-3 and three with a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. He still went picket fence on the, on the uh, cash counters. He's trending up. He looks good. They're utilizing him more in favor of... They use Derek White in favor uh, because of his defense, I should say. And some of the three-point bombing specialists have been pushed back just a little bit because they're not guarding anybody. Everybody was talking about how bad the Spurs' defense has been for most of the year, finally showing very small but some signs of progress. They're going to be giving the Grizzlies a run for their money. They're a half game up on Memphis for the eight spot right now, and those teams are within striking distance of the 500 mark. Kind of remarkable, <laughs> considering the way things have gone so far in the West. Speaking of the Grizzlies, my last must-add guy is a, someone that maybe you wouldn't put in the must-add column, but it's DeAnthony Melton, who it feels like every week just gets a little bit closer to being a, a fantasy dynamo. He's owned in 100% of my leagues, even though he's only owned in 9% of Yahoo leagues overall, which tells you I'm probably in slightly too competitive leagues. But his numbers are all upward trending. Last month, number 91. Last two weeks, he's around 120. There were a couple of not great ones in there. Last week, he's had a really high turnover stretch, and his scoring's been down. Thing is, he has the fantasy stat set to carry his numbers even when some stuff is falling off a cliff. So lately... For instance, his free throw percent has been lower, inexplicably so, but this happens. It's a long season. Sometimes you'll have a week where free throws just aren't going in as much. His shooting's been down the last two weeks. But, but, thanks to the fact that he has such a juicy fantasy game, even though he's shooting 70% of the foul line over those two weeks and hasn't hit but a three-pointer every other ball game in that stretch, actually hasn't hit any in four games, only scoring nine points, but he's got four assists, one and a half steals, 0.8 blocks on 49% from the field. So because of the defensive stats, the assists, the ability to rebound actually from the point guard spot and a high field goal percent, he can survive when the points are down, when the free throw percent has a weird dip or he doesn't hit a three-pointer for a few games. He's not a big three-point shooter anyway. So even despite all those weird numbers, he's still in the 120. So he, to me, is a must-add guy because... At some point, Memphis is just going to be like, fine, you got to play 25 minutes a night. You're too good, particularly defensively. Especially right now, the win streak wore off, so some of the shine is off this team just for a brief period. He's the type of guy that gets in there, gets gritty, and can get him back off the schneid. I have one guy on my watch list this week, only one, and his name is Morris. First name is Markeith. I said it on yesterday's podcast, Thursday's show. I think Detroit is going to just try to make the playoffs. They might trade Derrick Rose. They might trade Markeith Morris. I don't know that they're trading Andre Drummond, even though he's their best asset. But they want a lot, and it doesn't seem like they're getting it. And they're two games behind the Nets, who lost again, as we just mentioned. And in the East, 
Anything can happen. And if you're the Pistons, Pistons brass, coaching staff, whatever, all you got to do is put on your wall your next three games. The Nets, the Cavs, and the Nets again. You win all three of those games, you're in the playoffs. Nothing the Nets can do about it at that point. You've caught them with two games, and then you won the other one in between. Your worst-case scenario is tied for the eighth seed. That's it. Well, they got the Grizzlies over the weekend. So not the next three games, but the three games immediately following a Memphis team that's slumping right now. They have the Grizzlies again on February 2nd. Knocking them all out. Rapid fire. Just play Memphis a bunch of times. They win their next four games. They're the eighth seed. Let's put it like that. I kind of forgot where I was going with this. Oh, Markeith Morris. He's jumped Sekou Dumbuya seemingly, I don't know if this is a long-term thing, but certainly in the short term. And I think if they're making a push at a playoff spot, now Reggie Jackson's back and maybe Luke Kennard will resurface in the next two to three weeks. I think they're just going to run those guys out there. You might see a total shift in all of our expectations with Detroit. And so Marquise Morris is on my watch list. He's not on the team yet. He's never actually had a full, really good fantasy season. He's had like the hovering near the 85-90 range, so there isn't a massive amount of upside. But if they decide he should just play all the power forward minutes with Blake Griffin done for the year, hell yeah, I'd pick him up at that point. Your hold of the week is Jared Culver, who's been slumping. They've, they've mishmashed things in Minnesota. They're trying to feel out new rotations and such. And Cat is back, so obviously a lot of usage goes that way. And Culver's trying to figure out how to coexist. He's also got rookie issues going on, the free throw percent, the field goal percent, energy level on a night-to-night basis. I maintain he's a really interesting post-trade deadline stash type because Minnesota's horrible. And, you know, they're the 13 seed in the West. They're five and a half games out of a playoff spot, which doesn't look like a ton on paper, but the Pelicans, Suns, Trailblazers, and Grizzlies are all in between them and the eight seed Spurs. So it ain't happening. And at some point they're going to just say, go ahead, kid, ball out. He's really more of a head-to-head or dynasty stash. Tough guy to hold on to in Roto if you're not in a keeper format there. Your streams of the week are Luke Cornett until Daniel Gafford and or Willie, uh, excuse me, Wendell Carter Jr. comes back. I do have a Warriors topic coming up in a minute. Jeremy Grant with Paul Millsap out and Michael Porter Jr. with Gary Harris, Mason Plumley, and Jamal Murray all out. And so they're just, he's going to get opportunities to shoot the basketball and rebound it. Your drops of the week are all of the Warriors' fringe guys, and by the end of the weekend, that opinion might change. Maybe they come back out. Willie Cauley-Stein has been starting lately, although he's been hugely unpredictable. Omari Spellman off the bench, and then he basically lost all of his minutes to Marquise Chris for a game. And Damian Lee, who I still like, actually. Among the three of them, he is the safest bet, but I just don't like his upside. There doesn't feel like there's a ton there until everybody gets shut down, at which point you'd probably rather have Eric Pascal at that point. Right now I don't because he's reliant on Draymond Green being in or out. At least Damian Lee kind of has his own – he's carved out his own spot on the floor. Now, what if Steph Curry comes back? Everybody gets shifted over at that point. They say he's targeting March 1st. That's still five weeks away. But what if he does come back? That moves D'Lo to the shooting guard spot. Damian Lee gets pushed out because Glenn Robinson is the three. Who plays there? They split them? I'm not sure any of these guys holds value the rest of the year. Lee's the closest now. Long-term, I guess it's Willie Cauley-Stein, because he could go defend people if they had enough offense everywhere else. But I think you could probably drop them all right now. J.J. Redick and Josh Hart are your drops in New Orleans with Zion and Drew Holiday back. P.J. Tucker and the rest of the Rockets' wings are all drops right now. And this is a tough one for me. Tomas Sadoransky, who I thought Chris Dunn would lose playing time when Chandler Hutchinson came back, but it's actually been Sato that's lost playing time. If you can give him a week on your bench just to see if things equilibrate in Chicago a little bit, I would certainly ask you do that. But I get it. If you can't, if you need that roster spot, Sato, unfortunately, is the guy that's got to go. And now, let's do specialists. This is sort of a new thing. I'll try my best to illustrate why these guys are important and what they can do for you and to what degree. But let me know. Feel free to shoot some feedback to me on Twitter if you guys like or dislike this part of the week in review. We're trying it out. All right. 
Let's try this. Specialists. We're going to start with Jan Mahimi. These are in no particular order, by the way. We're going to start with Jan Mahimi, who overall is not at all close to what you'd call a standard league value. He's number 177 on the year. Even while he's been playing much larger minutes over the last month, he's 146. But over the last couple of weeks, he's inside the top 70, and so he's sort of moved into the I'm-paying-attention-to-you-now range. And even while the team has gotten healthier, his minutes have actually trended up. He didn't have a great game on Thursday, but we can't let that cloud what was also 28 minutes played following 35 in the overtime game in Miami and 23 the game before that. He's in the mid to high 20s often. There are games every now and again where he completely disappears. He only had 19 minutes against fast-paced Toronto, so there'll be some matchups that throw him off. But if you need, and this is, again, the specialist thing, if you need boards and field goal percent, and you're looking over the last, I mean, at this point, you could really even look over the last month, he's about seven rebounds, one and a half blocks, a steal from a big man, that's pretty good, and well over 50% from the field. He's a specialist that makes sense for your team. I have spots where that makes sense. I have teams that desperately need a big man getting big man stats, but you also need to be able to, you need to weather the fact that he gets to the free throw line. He's not, he's not super afraid to go ruin your day with some foul shots. Now, career 61 percenter, and it ain't getting much better. Although, I will say, he's 60 percent this year. He was 69 percent last year and 70 the year before that. So there's a chance he might move into the mid to high 60s, and maybe he doesn't kill you as much. But he's not bashful. He's going straight to the rim, and he's probably going to take some free throws. And as his minutes have trended up, his free throw attempts have gotten up into the threes. Reggie Jackson is the next name on my specialist list. He only played one game, and there's going to be a big-time fallback when the adrenaline wears off. You see this with a lot of guys. Their first game back from injury, they're free and easy, man. Just so excited to be on the basketball court. Adrenaline coursing. They're not feeling a thing, man. They're on air. And then it wears off, and all the things that weren't sore got sore. So, yeah, there's going to be a fallback for Reggie Jackson after that giant first game. But as point guards go, now that Blake Griffin is out of the picture, he's going to have a role as a facilitator, which he didn't really have for last year and portions of the year before that as well. Points free throw percent, and we'll give him a half credit in assists because you're probably looking at more like four, which isn't huge. He's not going to get you six or seven, but he's not going to be down in the threes most likely as he has been when Griffin was orchestrating the offense. Reggie Jackson is on the specialist list. Terrence Ross, we already used him as an example when we were talking about specialists. Threes and steals, this is an easy one. He's been hovering right around that Useful, not useful range. He's number 125-ish on the year. Last month, he's been better than that. Since Jonathan Isaac and DJ Augustine went down, he's been doing more. His field goal percent is going to be low. He's a good free throw percent guy. You give him a little bit of a half credit in that one as well. But one and a half steals, two and a half three-pointers over that stretch. 15 points, so he's not hurting you there. Specialist. Specialist. Definitely belongs on all teams when he's hot, but he will cool off, and for that reason... You take him for the things that are consistent, whether he's hot or cold. He's going to make some three-pointers even when he's cold. He's just going to do it on terrible field goal percent. And the scoring is going to be down a little bit. And the steals are going to be there. The assists will trend up and down. The rebounds will trend up and down. But some stuff stays the same. Matisse Dybul and Furkan Korkmaz are both, or each, I should say, on my specialists list. Dybul for steals and blocks. Korkmaz for threes. This is while Joel Embiid and Josh Richardson are out, so they could also potentially fall in the streamers discussion. And frankly, as all of these guys go, those dudes are down near the bottom of my list of guys that I'm looking at. For the record, I don't think that there's a whole lot of consistency there. It worries me. Ennis Cantor who probably could just be on fantasy teams at this point. He's been good enough for most of the year, but he's number 134 overall. Last month, he's number 73, which basically says this guy should be on your fantasy team. The reason why is that he's actually blocking shots this year in a weird twist. This has not been his MO, and I'm starting to think maybe he's just on a team where they care. Other teams might have just said, ah, you do you, Ennis, 
And the Celtics are saying, "Uh uh-uh, you better defend a little bit. I know you're not going to be a world beater, and there are going to be plenty of guys in the NBA that are just roasting you, and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you're not getting tip-ins, offensive rebounds by the bowl full, and just crushing second units on the offensive side, we need you contesting. And so for the first time this year, he's averaging two blocks per 36 minutes, whereas his entire career, he's been much more in the .8 range. Does that number trend down? It might still, but he's up around 40 games played this season, and it hasn't moved yet. That makes him a must-own guy, but certainly even if you don't believe that that number holds for field goal percent, boards, and uh, points, he remains a specialist. Alfred Payton, and you guys know much I hate this dude's fantasy game, but he does fall into the specialist category. He's number 175 on the year. Since he's re-earned his starting job, he's inside the top 200 and just barely because he can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot shots. Yeah, rough, I know. He turns the ball over too much, and he doesn't score very much. But he gets five rebounds, six assists, and good defensive stats. So he's all right in four out of the nine categories, and he's actually relatively bad in at least four of the remaining five, and then he's meh in one of them. That's a tough guy to own, but if you need a bump in steals and assists in particular, and if you'd love to run a point guard out there who's not going to hurt you in rebounds, you got your guy. Duncan Robinson. I believe you can put him in the specialist category these days because the Heat have slowed as a team, and kind of coincidentally here, Robinson has also slowed as a fantasy asset. He's number 117 overall on the year. He's at four threes in each of his last four games, so that number hasn't been coming off. He's still averaging 3.3 a game on the year on 46% from the field and 90 from the free throw line. There aren't that many guys that can hit that many threes on good percentages, but he has faded so hard in the other categories that I can't make an argument that he's a must-own guy in all formats. The fact that his power forward eligibility is pretty nice. If I knew that was going to happen, I probably wouldn't have traded him in one league. But 12 points, over three threes, good percentages for a three-point shooter, no turnovers, but also no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks. Youch. Specialist. Shabazz Napier. Assists and free throw percent. I know he's coming off of one good ball game, but that's probably as many as you're going to get over any given week with him. The one thing you can count on with Napier is that he's going to get assists. He's a starting point guard playing almost 30 minutes for an NBA team, so he's going to get some five to seven assists most ball games. He had five in his good one, eight, six, nine, nine, going backwards chronologically since the day that Jeff T was traded. But his scoring... 16, good one. 6, 2, 12, 4. He has six three-pointers in five games. He's not hitting much there. He has six steals in five games, which is pretty good. Rebounds will probably be around two or three. Scoring is going to be around eight. But if you need the assists, if you need the good free throw percent, this is where he has the edge over someone like Alfred Payton. He makes sense. He's a specialist. And finally, Jakob Pertl, who somehow despite averaging like eight minutes a game lately, has actually been a solid fantasy asset. And the, and the somehow on that is he's blocking a ton of shots. Over the last month, he's averaging 15 and a half minutes a game, and he's inside the top 150 because he's blocking two shots a night. Last two weeks, he's blocking two and a half shots a night in 15 minutes. He's averaging four points, four and a half rebounds, and he's inside the top 90. That's remarkable. I personally don't think that's going to hold. At some point, the shot's... Like, guys just aren't going to be driving right into him, and a guy playing 15 minutes is going to tail off. But right now, he's a specialist. You guys have figured out how this segment ends most games. Finally, a look towards the future, the final segment of our Friday weekend edition. What is every team doing in their next ball game? We'll start with tonight. And fortunately, we're going to knock out most of the teams we need to cover tonight. It is an 11-game Friday. Milwaukee at Charlotte. Don't care. By the way, remember, this is an early one. This game's in Paris. Starts at noon Pacific time, I believe. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Which is what? Is that 7 p.m. in Paris? Is that a seven-hour difference? Eight? Maybe that's 8 p.m. I don't know. The hell do I know about time differences? Not much we're paying attention to from a fantasy standpoint, so moving along. Memphis at Detroit. We talked about this one a lot. I'm really curious about Markeith Morris with Detroit. Reggie Jackson, what it does to Derrick Rose, 
Sounds like Andre Drummond is probable. Swelling in his mouth has gone down. What's his team going to be the rest of the way? I picked up Christian. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about Christian Wood for a second here before I get through the uh, the rest of the 27 teams here. I think there's been maybe the misconception that I don't like Christian Wood, and I have to be very careful on these podcasts because there isn't really the opportunity for me to address things when, after the fact, I realize that uh, maybe I wasn't as clear as I should be. I like Christian Wood. This fantasy game is super friendly. Super friendly. You know, 17 minutes a game, he's he's inside the top 170. That's a number that can skyrocket if 17 minutes becomes mid-20s. Easy top 100 guy. If he gets up near 30 minutes, he's probably a top 75 guy because he's not bashful offensively. He's going to take a lot of shots. He's going to kill you in the free throw thing. He's going to shoot 70%, and he's going to take five or six a game if he's a starter. But the steals, the points, the rebounds, or sorry, the blocks, the points, the rebounds are all going to be there. And probably the field goal percent. But the reason that I've been kind of down on him is that his value is 100% tied to the presence of Andre Drummond. Because Dwayne Casey is just starting to trust him a little bit. He had a better ball game last time and a blowout win over Sacramento, so he had some garbage action. Otherwise, he's going to be in that 8-15 to 15 range when Drummond's around. And I'm starting to think, as I've said, that Drummond might just stick around. Luckily, we're close enough to the trade deadline where, at this point, you can just stash him, and if it doesn't work out, at least you only blew two weeks. Whereas, look, people were talking about stashing Christian Wood a month ago. What if you sit on this dude for six weeks and it doesn't pan out? Then you trotted out a top 150, 160 guy for a month and a half or just squatted on him and missed out on a lot of guys that actually did pan out. Right now, yeah, of course, we're close enough. This is stash time, two, three weeks out. But six? It's not like an injury stash. Injury stashes are easy. Guy comes back, he gets his job back. That one's 100%. If he's healthy, he's going to play a bunch. Christian Wood's healthy. But we need someone else to move. We need a complicated thing to happen for him to get to that point. So it's not that I don't like his fantasy game. It's just that I don't trust that he's going to see the minutes. If Drummond gets moved, yeah, obviously. You know, that's the easy solution here. But we just don't know. We just don't know. Back to the reg- regularly scheduled programming here. A uh, lot to pay attention to with Detroit. Not a ton to pay attention to with Memphis. Mostly DeAnthony Melton for me. I think he's trending up still. For Boston, Ennis Cantor's out, so this could be a really nice game for Daniel Tice because... It's not clear that anybody really is going to be there to back him up. Uh, Jason Tatum, probably going to miss this game. He's questionable with the groin deal. I see no reason for them to force the action. They're in nice position. Celtics are the four seed in the east. There's no way they fall below the six seed. And it all is going to flip-flop one or two games here and there. They'll be fine. There's no reason for them to push at this point with, with one of their key guys. Be a foolish gambit. So I would expect him to miss this ball game. Orlando, nothing there. Toronto, it's the same stuff we've been watching basically since Van Vliet came back, which is, does he kill Serge Ibaka and OG Ananobi and or Norman Powell? And so far, the answer is yes to OG, maybe to Serge, and no to Norman Powell. He has not killed him. He's been great. Serge is hanging on, and OG looks dead. The Knicks, not much there. Just some specialist-related stuff. Houston, nothing. Minnesota, Shabazz, Culver, just to see what's going on. Not starting either of those guys right now. Clippers, sounds like Beverly and Paul George probably still out for this game, so Kawhi Leonard might have to go yakko. Not that he hasn't been anyway. Miami, we got a bunch of questionable guys. This could be a weird streaming game, but fantasy-wise, not much to pay huge attention to. Sacramento, this is another piece of bad news. Marvin Bagley, who yesterday I read that he was expected to play on Friday, and then the, later on in the day they said, no, nah, never mind. So it looked like maybe it was just a rest game for him in the last one, and now it seems like maybe the foot thing is back to being an issue. Which means Nemanja Bialica's voodoo doll is still going strong. Also, Rashawn Holmes posted a bunch of sad faces on Twitter on Thursday. I don't know what, what that was. 
And I'm hoping that over the course of the weekend, we don't find out anything beyond, you know, just not quite ready to go yet. Let's, let's hope. Let's hope that's it. Sheesh. What a disaster. Man, I'm glad I've got the under on that team. Chicago Bulls, Luke Cornett. This is a better matchup for him. Sacramento doesn't have a big man that's just going to beat him up like Cat in the last one. What's he able to do? And then Sadoransky, who's been trending hard down. Is this, the, is this the rise of Hutchinson and the stabilization of Chris Dunn? Womp womp. Thought it would, I really did. I thought it would take out Chris Dunn before it took out Sato, but here we are. Denver, they're down to their prime, man. They've lost that. They're playing basketball with one hand tied behind their backs right now. So play the streamers as you have been. Pelicans, little more Zion. I mean, this appointment viewing now. He's the biggest dude ever, and he's quick, man. It's weird. It's like a bear out on the basketball court. Like, this guy shouldn't be that fast. Zoom. Spin move. Blubber zipping behind him as he soars past everybody else. He is, you know, it's hard for me to explain this. As someone who worked in minor league baseball for a decade, you, you sort of, you don't have to be an expert scout to notice when someone has a gear that other dudes don't have. Zion's got that gear. Some of it's young legs, I guess, but he's just like the, the combination quickness speed there's a couple other guys in the NBA that pop into my head when I'm thinking, who is a guy where you're like, oh, well, that's just the thing other dudes can't do. It was John Wall with speed for a little bit. He had a lot of other problems with his basketball game, but no one could stop him. No one could keep up with the dude. Joel Embiid, incredible combination of speed and quickness. Shaq, if you go back to the last generation of basketball players, obviously LeBron, but... Everything's so fluid with him now that you don't even realize his combo of, of quickness and giantness. But there's, there is something special about Zion. There's no question about that. I think at this point, everybody's like, sell him right when he's coming back. Just ride it out, man. Just have some fun with it at this point. Atlanta, not really anything there, whether or not Trey plays. Oklahoma City, not a fantasy thing either. Phoenix, also not a thing. San Antonio, the Derek White experience. Indiana, not a thing yet. Oladipo, five days away. And then Golden State, I guess the closest thing I'm watching is whether Willie Cauley-Stein can maybe win a center job back. Exciting, I know. Dallas, Utah over the weekend. Um, I mean, really what we're learning here from one game of Dallas is that it's going to be a mix and match. People picked up Boban. I told you not to pick up Boban. Seth Curry got big minutes in their first game without Dwight Powell. You figure Dorian Finney-Smith would get plenty of playing time. He's going to be a mixed bag most nights. Tim Hardaway Jr. will probably see more playing time. I thought Maxi Kleba would play more. He, to me, still is a guy you have to own. It's going to be a mishmash of puzzle pieces, to be sure, with that Mavs team. And so we'll keep track. We'll see if any of the anything can kind of rise above, because it was Powell. Dwight Powell was the guy that, that sort of rose out of the pack before his Achilles tear. Utah. We'll keep an eye on Mike Conley. I bet he'll be over 20 minutes in this ballgame on Saturday. Brooklyn, meh. Only injury stuff related. Not interested in the rest of those goobers. Detroit, we already talked about them. OKC, Minnesota, Chicago, Cleveland. Same stuff. Larry Nance, the guards. Lakers, Philly. We talked about the Philly streamer op options, the specialists, the wing guys. But the Lakers, there's not really anything to pay attention to there. And then we'll look to Sunday here. Uh, a couple of teams I think they didn't play earlier in the weekend. Am I, am I wrong? Maybe I'm right. Maybe there is somebody left. Doesn't matter. Um, no, I think that was everybody. Shows what I know. Oh, Portland, who we already, you know, we'll watch Trevor Reza. He'll have a couple of quiet games for everyone as giant as he went on Thursday. Listen, I, I mean, this is going to be the kind of game with Ariza that is going to get him onto every fantasy team. And then everybody's going to get let down simultaneously when he when he soils himself in the next one. But he he is, you know, he's in that range, you know, probably in the ninety to one thirty range. So you should be on your fantasy team, et cetera, et cetera. Especially if you need threes and steals. You don't need threes and steals. I mean, he's not going to have twenty points on eleven shots at at the end of three quarters. Every he's not going to have fifteen points at halftime every game. It's just not life. Isn't going to be that simple for him. Look at his entire career, if you want a better. I, listen, I love Trevor Reese. I've had him on fantasy teams 
for 15 years, basically. But he's a 42% shooter. So if he comes out and he shoots 70% in a game, there's a 10 to 15% getting mixed in at some point down the line. Fear the law of averages. I think that's everybody. I think that's everybody for the weekend. Whew, fun week here on Fantasy NBA Today. Fun week. We got a lot of new reviews of the show, some funny ones I was able to read, so please keep doing that. We'll dig them up. We'll read them to you. At some point, I'll get to one of the ones that were, some of the ones that were already submitted, but every time I go to read a new one, there's a new one. Maybe this is what I should have been doing a year ago. Write something funny, I'll read it. You drop a five-star review on the podcast. Hit me up if you want to be a part of the HoopBall sales team, as I mentioned before. And, oh, the newsletter is... Uh, coming out on Monday as per usual, so make sure to sign up for that at hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. And finally, boy, I mentioned it on yesterday's podcast. What a relief when the Spurs did polish off the Pelicans in that Thursday game. I had a bunch of money on San Antonio. Ooh, don't tell anybody. Um, I'm just looking for my spots, man. I'm picking my spots with this betting stuff. I'll try to alert you guys when something pops up. That's a spot that I've been sort of lusting for i mean honestly spurs hosting the suns that's a game where i might look at phoenix but it's not something that i'm that i'm sort of all ready for a lot of times when stars are coming back that's a spot to fade a team losing a guy to injury the first game after that you'll often back them you know dallas in portland actually last night a good example lost dwight powell uh the guys are going to be galvanized to try to win one for the gipper kind of thing so these are the spots we'll be looking at. This is what we'll be attacking on the betting side. If you want the guys that are going to give you stuff every night, you got to follow at Hoopball Gaming, and you got to open up an account at mybookie.ag. I cannot say it enough. They are spectacular over there. Join us, and we will have a promo running. This is a big deal. Pay attention now before you turn the podcast off. We're not done. We're starting a promo today, Friday, Sheesh, I should have mentioned this earlier in the show, but I didn't. Where HoopBall is going to be giving away $200 in cash. 200 bucks in cash. How do you enter? Sign up for account at mybookie.ag with the promo code TODAY. You've got to use the promo code to be eligible. And whatever amount you put in as your first deposit, which, by the way, will get a 50% bonus because you used that promo code, you screenshot that and send it to us. Either tweet it at us or email it in to the Team HoopBall at hoop-ball.com account. So tweet it at us or email it to us, and that enters you in the contest. And if you win the random drawing on Tuesday afternoon, it'll be a random drawing, and we might have multiple, HoopBall will match your deposit. Basically, you're getting bankrolled. So if you put 50 bucks in and you win the drawing, HoopBall will give you 50 bucks. So you're playing for free. You're playing on the house at that point. Up to 200 Now, here's the way a few things might work for this contest. If you win the drawing with 50 bucks, drawing's not done. We'll draw another name because we still got another 150 bucks to give away. If the next guy put in 100 and we still got 50 bucks to give away. If that next guy put in 100 well, they only get the remaining 50 So that someone at the end of the, the chain is probably not going to get a perfect match. But it's pretty good. You might put in 200 bucks, and you might be the winner, and we might give you all 200 So go to mybookie.ag, open a new account with the promo code TODAY. Again, T-O-D-A-Y. That's the promo code. Get your 50% deposit bonus. Screenshot it and send it to us, and you are officially entered in the contest. And I know what you're thinking, Dan. You've been begging me to do this for weeks. I did it two days ago. I'm going to let you enter too. So if you did it this week, basically if you opened up an account any day starting on the 20th of January, screenshot what you got in your account. We'll probably do a little bit of an honor system thing. You know, if you're at like 90 bucks and you started with 70, you can tell us 70. You can lie, I guess. You know, what's 20 bucks? You could lie. Please don't. And you can enter yourself in the contest as well. So anybody that's entered, that's opened an account between the 20th of January and Tuesday the 28th, send us that screenshot, get yourself involved in the contest, and HoopBall could be bankrolling you on your betting endeavor. Follow at HoopBall Gaming, listen to, listen to Today in Sports Betting, 
and build that money up real quick. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Should be a really fun contest. We'll tell you about it every day starting today and then through early next week. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the betting. We'll talk to you on Monday. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.